1037 WFNZ. Final hour on a Friday. Weston Walker, Willie P in for Walker. It is a football Friday too, Wes, and I am I'm sitting here and I'm trying to come up with avenues that are contrary to the conventional avenue that the Panthers can win this football game. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is me not, I am not trying to sound negative. I am panthering up. I'm picking the Panthers. I'm ready to roll this weekend. But I'm thinking about if the Panthers don't get their requisite 150 to 200 yards rushing and they aren't dominating the time possession, the line of scrimmage, et cetera, and so on, are these teams close enough to where the Panthers can win another way? Or does it have to go the way that it's gone in their victories all season? You know, where you have that 150-yard performance from Deontay Foreman and Sam Donald is doing literally the absolute bare minimum, not turning the football over. Can can they get a game from Sam that is more on the balanced side of things from a passing and running standpoint? Or does it have to be this one way they have to win or none you, you're not winning the football game? <laughs> I think that for the Panthers, the key is to be able to run a football, obviously. You ran it 46 times against Seattle. They've done that three times this season. And you want to be able to hold the ball, so to speak, because I just feel like Sam Donald, I don't trust him if he has to constantly be behind the chains, if he has to throw the football more than you want him to. Listen, the key for the Panthers is no secret. It's running the ball and not turning it over. They haven't turned it over in four of their five wins and not thrown an interception in any of the five wins. They've thrown 10 interceptions in the eight losses. So this is a team that can't afford to give up extra possessions. We know Sam Donald is capable of that if you put the ball in his hands too much. So the key for this team, when you look at a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that's 22nd in yards, uh, they are 24th in sacks. This is a defense that's tailor-made for what it is that you want to do. They're 15 stopping a run, average. So that means for a team like the Panthers, this is not a good matchup as far as for the Steelers. The Panthers are a bad matchup for them if they're capable of doing what they want to do. Now, if they come out and decide to have one of those weird games where they rise up and they're shutting the run down, I think the Panthers are in a lot of trouble. Um, so while you say there's more than uh, one way for them to win, I think that for this team, they have a, you know, the magic elixir that is running, stopping the run, not turning the ball over. But I think if anything gets in there to mess up that perfect storm, I'm not sure about their chances if you have to put the game in the hands of one Sam Donald. And that's and that's the part that scares me. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sit here and scare people, but – it it has to go all according to Hoyle if you're the Carolina Panthers. You have to get that from Deontay Foreman. You have to have the Yarby's package working. You have to make things happen. It has to look like the way it's looked for the Panthers in their wins, and it has to look the way that it's looked for the Steelers in their last three ball games. Pittsburgh has given up an average of 157 yards rushing in their last three games, which is seventh most of any team in the National Football League. The only teams that are worse right now are Chicago, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Seattle, the Giants, and Green Bay. Seattle, by the way, the team the Panthers played last week. Now, when you think about some of these other teams, like Detroit, Detroit's actually down the list. 
that's the game next week, not, not to look too far ahead. Mm-hmm. And from Tampa and New Orleans' standpoint, they're very much kind of middle of the pack. Tampa's actually kind of in that same uh, same wavelength where Pittsburgh is. In fact, they're right behind Pittsburgh, eighth most over the last three weeks with 154 yards rushing allowed on defense. And, and part of the reason we look at those numbers, Wes, is because you mentioned it. Rushing the football is so integral and key to the way that this team wins. But I'll ask you this from, from a, a more philosophical standpoint. Are we seeing a difference in the way that these teams, over the large sense, are playing? Because while the majority of the formulas in the NFL were so quarterback-centric, mm-hmm. were so around trying to find your Mahomes, trying to find your Herbert, mm-hmm. I'm noticing a changing of the guard a little bit. Not necessarily from those teams, but from some of these others who have found a way to win other ways. Found a way to win with defensive football and grinding it out and, and holding time of possession and, and winning in that fashion. Is that type of football making a comeback? And if so, are the Panthers at the forefront of that renaissance? Uh, I don't know that I'd say they're at the forefront, but they're definitely adding to the case. Um, when you look at the top teams in the league right now, we know Philadelphia has a stronger rushing attack as you want to see. My San Francisco 49ers, we know what their rushing attack brings to the table. At the that, end of that, the McCa- day, that McCaffrey dude's kind of good. Yeah, I appreciate you guys sending him over mm. too as well. Um, apparently, we got a fantastic oh, call in that deal. Oh, no. oh. <laughs> apparently, we got Wes, a fantastic call on that Wes, deal. Why, man? What's up? Why did you do this to him? This is his. This is one of his things, man. He's still going on about <laughs> not is, getting this, a first round this, pick. This apparently it's the is the modern day of the NFL, dude. They speak, weren't given a first round. It's pick. become my Waterloo, okay? And I'm Napoleon. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, so don't I, worry I, about it. I think that um. You know, when you see that, the one thing about football, at its core, come on now, this is obvious. I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know. It's a physical game at its core. So if you can be more physical than the next team, then you have a great chance. And that's why they say defense and running game travels. Dexter brings it to Titans as well. Yeah, no doubt. That's what I'm saying. If you're able to go into an environment, punch a team in the mouth, control the clock, be able to run the football, because when you're able to do that, even if you are quarterback-centric, it makes things so much easier. On the quarterback, the defense will kind of uh, – the defense will tip off what they're doing more times than not. They're going to uh, make the reads a little bit more defined because they're so worried about your run. So running definitely helps a ton. You just want to be dynamic and you want to be balanced. But I do think that you do see some teams that are getting it done. It's just that when you run into – and really – it's Patrick Mahomes. You know, when you run into a guy like Mahomes that's so hard to deal with Mm -hmm. that can score at the drop of a hat, no matter how many points you have them down, that's where you run into the conundrum to where you've got to be able to have that other trick up your sleeve to be able to run, I mean, to be able to pass the ball. Now, now the thing the thing that I think I'm, I'm kind of giddy about was when we were talking in the opening hour of the program, which if you missed it, a, a fantastic conversation with Andrew Filipponi of 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, who was in studio with us. He's in town for the game. I'm wondering if the mood that he brought to us is almost a personification of the mood inside the steel locker room. And, and we've and we've never really had that kind of sense of dissension. We've always talked about Mike Tomlin as somebody who has things under control, who is able to command the room, get those guys to play. But looking at what happened last week, and I had a chance to watch that game very closely because we were playing at 4 o'clock and the Steeler game was at 1. That Steeler game against the Ravens, was demoralizing for Pittsburgh and the way that Baltimore was able to run the football and do things with a second and third string quarterback 
against them that made Pittsburgh look not only ordinary, but basically non-existent on defense. And that's a defense. We went through the names earlier. That's a defense with a lot of guys who have very big names. Okajobi, Hayward, Watt, Fitzpatrick. These aren't necessarily, these are all household names right now in the National Football League, but they are not performing like them, at least over the course of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think with Mike Tomlin, you hear the Dark Knight syndrome, okay? He's lived long enough to be the villain there, mm-hmm. okay? They're getting tired of the same voice, the same stuff after the game, especially when they don't see light at the end of the tunnel, and I think that's going to come down to Kenny Pickett to be able to do that. But, of course, like I said, there's nothing more demoralizing than when a team can run the ball, especially when you lose to a team with a backup quarterback, which is another thing that the Panthers will have going in their favor. They're going to be facing a backup quarterback. So Mm -hmm. everything is on the table for Carolina to take advantage of this situation. And that's why I feel like in my mind, it would be very uh, devastating if they're, if they lose this football game, but they can still be get a get out of jail free card. If Tampa Bay, loses to Cincinnati like many expect them to. One of the things the Pony Express also brought to the table was kind of the inside the locker room feel when it comes to Mason Rudolph versus Mitch Trubisky. I think if I had to pick uh, just from a prediction standpoint who they're going to pick, they are going to pick Trubisky to at least start this contest because Kenny Pickett was ruled doubtful still in the concussion protocol. They're going to make a call on Saturday of who is going to start for them in this contest. But Mason has a lot of the backing of the locker room because of the fact that there were a lot of people who thought that he was going to be the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger when they drafted Kenny Pickett in the, in the draft. There was a little bit of a sliding of uh, coming up at that. And, of course, the trade for Mitch Trubisky also uh, using him as the bridge instead of Mason Rudolph made some of the Steelers players feel some kind of way. And there were published comments that Mason Rudolph said, I really love my teammates, didn't have much to say about the organization. So I'm wondering if there's at least a little bit of that, you know, potential to see Mason in this game if you don't see Mitch Trubisky playing at full strength. Because we've seen Mitch pull before in games. Oh, the lease is always short on him. If he gets in there and is not showing what he needs in this football game, he's going to be out. I feel like the Panthers will get a chance to see both of these quarterbacks in this game. Nobody expects Mitch Trubisky to come in and light it up. I mean, do you? I don't. Right, so that's what I'm saying. I think we'll see. Although the way that you talk about J.C. Horn, you make J.C. Horn sound like he's, you know, uh, oh, I don't know. Wow. Well, I mean, J.C. Horn better get you like make, three you make, interceptions. You make J.C. Horn uh, sound like he's Troy Pride over here. You oh, know? man. Too soon? I'm sorry. I love Troy Pride. Notre Dame <laughs> guy and, uh, and a Rock Hill guy, too. But, you know, what, what are we doing fella. here? Yeah. What are we doing here? Well, at the end of the day, everything is on the table for the Panthers and J.C. Horn to go out and prove that they're better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a little dirty. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, but what I will, <laughs> say, but what I will say is that the one thing that is imperative for the Panthers is they do have to get off the field. This is a team in Pittsburgh that doesn't stay on the field very long, mm-hmm. and the more that the Steeler defense is on the field, will allow the cumulative effect of the Panthers' run game to take its full umbrage against Pittsburgh. And I think because of that, you need to prove that you can get off the field. If you are the Carolina Panthers, you need to turn the football over. Cause that's the one thing. One of the, what's the one thing that Steve Wilkes said they weren't doing before this recent stretch was taking away the football. They've now found a way to do that with fumble recoveries. The pick last week by JC, they are getting extra possessions for the offense and they are making the most of those type of opportunities. We have an analogy in soccer where it's like you, you, you have to, take the shots on target when they come. 
I think that's where the Panthers are is that you have to take your shots on target. You have to get them on frame. And I think that's a situation where the Panthers sit right now is that they are hitting their shots on target because they're creating them because of these extra possessions that they're earning, not just from the three and outs, but also from turning the football over as well. It's something they weren't doing in a very big sense earlier in the year. And the thing that you don't want if you're the Panthers is to give this team confidence early. That's what you want. You want to come in and stomp them out early, make them because everything you said sounds like that there is some dissension in that locker room. Guys are maybe not necessarily ready to give up, but the morale is down. Mm-hmm. And it won't take much to get them down in the football game, especially if you're able to come out and get a, uh, you know, if the Panthers are able to come out and get a fast start. So you don't want them to. And to be fair, too, that was a lot of the feeling we talked about and heard about from Seattle going into this week. And so you had it all kind of laid out in front of you. The only thing people were saying was, oh, you got to go on the road. You haven't done that yet as a team. And and Seattle was a very tough place to play. Yeah. People are talking about the same kind of thing happening this week because of all the black and gold that's going to be in the stands. If I hear one more person talk about <laughs> the fact, there'll be all this black and gold in the stands. I don't know what the Panthers are going to do. They're going to have to do a silent count at home. Baloney. Okay. Like, I don't care. I don't care. I hope that the people who are waving their terrible towels are filled with tears. Yeah. It's going to be terrible tears inside those terrible <laughs> towels, and they're going to be using them between them. exactly between yeah. their legs as opposed to oh. Uh, oh. on on that. Oh my God! Too much? No, too much? just enough. Too That's much? That's what they deserve. I'm just That's saying. Right. I'm just saying. That's that was well said. By the way, Philipponi can I, probably hear us potentially. I've been trying. I've been trying to figure out the most PG way to say that all day, and it, 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 it took just, you. It took you that long to well, figure that out. Well, I just, there were so many things I wanted to say, and, and certain words I wanted to use, and certain colors I wanted to talk about, but I'm not wow. going to go there. So you basically thought to yourself, would Fitty come out and say this? If he would, don't say it. Basically, gotcha. What would Fitty not do? That is the that that is the motto and mantra here at WFND. <laughs> WWFND. That is uh, what would Fitty not do on Sports Radio 97 WFND. Wesson Walker, Willie in for Walker. We'll come back. We will turn our attention to the Charlotte Hornets, who could be as whole as they could have possibly been in a very long time tonight against a division rival. Sam Farber, the voice of the Hornets tells us whether or not we can expect Gordon Hayward on the floor tonight. That's next on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. That's a heck of a return promo there, uh, Floundy. That's a heck of a return promo. You're damn right it is. By the way, don't think I didn't hear you trying to impersonate me on the morning show. Oh, don't I think, was hoping so. I'll play it back. Don't for you. don't think don't think I didn't hear that when I uh, when I said to you guys that I had no problem coming in and dancing with you guys. What grade? What grade would you give it? A B. I'd give it a B. Okay, all right, all right. I'll take that. I don't think people understand that 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 room that that we do the dance in is like six inches wide and about ten feet. Long ways. There's not exactly a, a a prime space for for dancing creativity. So so I, I give Mac a ton of credit for being able to do the most with what he is given in that sense. He has crashed into a lot of things in that room, though. So I including didn't, him, you know. including himself and Bone. Well, you were the one that threw yourself up against the wall. Though. Well, I just so. I, I, I had to deal with what was what was given because I felt like if I was trying to do any other kind of move, there would uh, there would be no so room to execute that. What was the purpose that. of that move? That's what I'm intrigued about. It was it was to provide some sort of something other than just me just you know 
Okay. Moving my hands and moving my legs. That's interesting. We were also promised Michael Jackson. We didn't see much Michael Jackson. I was Jackson. trying to moonwalk, but the problem is you if you walk three steps in that building, you're against the wall. Or in the, in that room, you're against the wall. So I did like a couple. I did like one back and forth and then one in the other one the other way. All right. It was at least half a moonwalk. I appreciate the effort, Will. Uh, we'll turn our attention to the Hornets tonight who take on the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta without DeJounte Murray and the news we got earlier today after shoot-around, Rod Boone was there, and he uh, asked Gordon Hayward whether or not uh, he was good to go tonight. He said he's going to make every effort to play tonight, uh, and that could very well change the Hornets' fortunes going into this one and even down the stretch. If they're able to play with this stretch over the course of the next couple of games, Wes, this could obviously have a real galvanizing impact on this Hornets team. Yeah, I think it's going to give the fans a chance to see this team at close to full strength, a chance to see them with even more offensive firepower. We know that for now, Terry and um, Kelly Oubre and the crew, they've been holding it down so far. So to bring LaMelo back into the mix and everything he can bring, now you bring Gordon Hayward back in there. This is going to be enough requisite firepower for them to deal with uh, a lot of the lower-level teams that they will face, they may have some trouble with some of the big dogs, but I think this gives them enough to be able to hold their own and forward some victories against some teams that are either 50-50 shot or a team that you think maybe they're a little bit better than. Speaking of requisite firepower, the man that we bring, uh, who always brings the fire, is our guy Sam Farber, the voice of the Charlotte Hornets, as heard right here on the flagship station of the Hornets, Sports Radio 97 WFNZ. Tip time tonight, 7, pregame at 6 tonight for the Hornets and the Hawks. And Sam joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. What's going on, Sam? How are you, pal? Oh, I think things are great. It's a great day here at the Hornets. Uh, we're, we're finally going to get to see this team. We're excited. In terms of the Gordon thing, we've been kind of hearing the whispers over the last couple of days. I know that you get to see him warm up a little bit sometimes over these last couple of games. What are you noticing about Gordon uh, from a wind standpoint? And I think we won't get this answer necessarily from Steve Clifford until later, but uh, what are you expecting tonight from Gordon Hayward? Well, from the wind standpoint, you know, there's, there's nothing like game action. So I would anticipate you know him playing his full minutes and, and being at the peak of his powers down the stretch. Maybe it's a game or two, but that's not, you know, really the kind of injury he had. It wasn't going to keep him off of, you know, the bike or the treadmill or things like that. So I'd expect it to be pretty good as compared to, say, if he had an ankle injury. Um, but that's it. There's just nothing that's going to replicate game minutes. So maybe it takes a game or two to, to reach that level. Um, but just seeing him out there on the floor, uh, it's going to do my heart good. It's going to do a lot of Hornets fans a lot of good to see this team back together for the first time. Sam West Bryant here. What did you make of Coach Clifford's postgame comments the other night? And what is your view of everything that's transpired along the last, I guess, 36, 48 hours, whatever you want to say? My big takeaway from it was this one. He's right. You know, the defense was bad. Detroit's not a very good team compared to the rest of the NBA. Uh, and they put 140 points on the board, granted in overtime, but still, that, that's not a good defensive performance but, but the biggest takeaway I have from it is what his focus is on he's not saying hey we need to do this because we need to be able to beat Detroit in December he's saying we need to do this because if we don't do it we're not going to have any chance to beat Milwaukee or Philadelphia or Boston come April and that's where he wants this team you know thinking about and that might seem a little silly to outsiders who are saying what what are you talking about? You're, you're in last place. You're 7-21. But this is a team that has not had its full roster yet. 
still won't tonight, but it's going to be a heck of a lot closer than it has been all season long. And you want these guys thinking in that context because the second you stop doing it, then, then it's probably over. Uh, so you want them with that being their trajectory, their heading, thinking we're going to be playing one of these teams come the postseason, and unless we start to figure out the defense, it's not going to matter how many healthy players we have. We're just not going to win those games. Do you think this team responds to that? Do you think Gordon Hayward will come in and enhance the defense? But most of all, how do you think this team uh, will come out and respond tonight? I, I think they're going to respond in kind. This team has had some good stretches defensively compared to where they've been the last couple of seasons. Uh, and Coach Clifford is a defensive first type of head coach in terms of where his expertise, if this was football, he would have been uh, more of the defensive coordinator type than an offensive coordinator per se. Um, and, and furthermore, defense just tends to take longer to, to really get everything dialed in um, just just in general. I mean, you look at last year, the Boston Celtics had this big transformation end up making it to the NBA Finals. They were about a 500 team near the All-Star break. In fact, after the All-Star break, and, and the difference was they clicked in defensively come the second half of the season. So uh, this is not the first time that it, it's taken time for a team that's made a change and wanted to focus more on defense to have some growing pains as they institute that. Um, hopefully the Hornets, now healthier, will be able to start doing that. I don't know if it's going to be night one here tonight, but um, I think we're going to start to see some things heading in the right direction now. Voice of the Charlotte Hornets, Sam Farber, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Wesson Walker, Willie P. in for Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, Hornets and Hawks tonight at the Hive. Uh, we know with LaMelo, we only really have the one-game sample size here, and, and when we have seen him on the floor, the defending without fouling thing is the thing that's been brought up. I know that he's a high-risk, high-reward player defensively because of how well he gets in the passing lanes, but how much of this do you think Steve Clifford is going to have to work on with him in terms of making sure that he is on the floor in the game's most critical moments because him fouling out, I think, uh, was largely due or, or largely had a big part in the Hornets' not being able to get themselves over the hump on Wednesday night against Detroit? Well, I think it's fair to say that he is a, a risk-reward type of defensive player. He, he takes chances. He's great at anticipating passing lanes. And sometimes, you know, he, he's, he's not he's not infallible out there, okay? Sometimes he's going to guess wrong, and sometimes he's going to be in a bad position. Um, there's also the fact that he's 21 years old. He, you know, he, he's the age that two generations ago, uh, you wouldn't be in the NBA. Um, so, you know, he, he has some, some room to grow on the defensive side, and Coach Clifford is one of the best in the business. He's going to get him uh, to, to be a better defensive player and better offensive player and all around, and LaMelo is eager to learn. So uh, I don't think anyone thought at 21 LaMelo was going to be a finished product. Uh, I'm excited to see what he ends up turning into. Um, but that, that's going to be part of it, and, you know, learning when to take those chances in terms of trying to get steals and also learning when to keep your hands out of the, the cookie jar and, and hopes that the foul you might pick up there in the first quarter won't come back to bite you come the fourth quarter in overtime as it did the other day. Sam, we know that the big draw for this matchup is Trey and LaMelo, and last season Melo averaged around 19, 8, and 9. Uh, against him, that's 19 points, eight rebounds, and uh, almost nine assists. And then Trey averaged 21 points a game, almost 11 assists per game. Is Trey Lamelo's biggest contemporary, in your opinion, amongst the young point guards? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, they're they're probably the leading candidate 
to go head-to-head. Uh, a lot of people put Luka Doncic into that point guard mold. He, I guess he kind of is in, in more of like a maybe a magic job. I don't know. Luka is, Luka is something entirely different. I think Luka and Trey get matched up more um, probably because they got traded for one another, same draft class. Um, but in terms of playing the position in a somewhat similar fashion, maybe. Although, you know, LaMelo plays it differently than, than Trey does. Trey is more of a volume shooter and uh, that hasn't been been great for the Hawks this year, quite frankly. His numbers are down in terms of percentages. Uh, no doubt in my mind they're going to go back up because Trey is a magnificent player. Um, but but they've struggled a little bit with the, their shooting percentages and putting things back together. I don't know. It's a good question. I think they're they're so unique. Um, Trey Young it, it, again, he's more of a shooter. He's more maybe in a Steph Curry mold, and Lamelo's more in a Magic Johnson mold. And and they're just they're special in their own right. And and I'm looking forward to many, many years of great battles between those two guys and at least four times a year in the division. Hornets as close to hole as they've been uh, with this return of Gordon Hayward. I saw a practice uh, set of photos yesterday. I saw Cody Martin in uniform, which is a good sign for the Hornets as well. Uh, Sam, what are you hearing about timetables on both Cody and DSJ as uh, we hope to see the Hornets at completely full strength here really soon? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both trending in the right direction. And, and uh, you know, as you guys well know, Wes, I know you know as a, as a former player, you know, you're never, when you get to the season, anticipating we're going to be whole. You know, the, the, the Hornets strategy isn't like, well, as soon as absolutely every person on the roster is available, then we can start winning because you're just never going to get there. There's aches and pains and bumps and bruises all the time, uh, and injuries are going to creep up. But this is the closest the team has been all season long. And I uh, was doing some number crunching, you know, over the entirety of their three years together. Uh, Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, when they're on the floor starting at the same time, uh, the team has a roughly 54 win percentage, which might not sound like much, but you, when you think the fact that the team over the entirety of that span has been a below 500 team, that's a pretty big jump. And included in that span is LaMelo's rookie year where he wasn't starting a whole lot and was still you know, learning how to play uh, in the NBA. So I think big things could be in store for the Hornets here. I really do. I know it's been a disappointing start. No one thought the Hornets were going to begin 7-21. and and, and I understand based off the record why some fans uh, might be panicking a little bit, but there's a lot of season left in front of this team, and we're finally going to get a chance to see what they've got. So I think the rest of this month is going to be a big uh, evaluation period for the Hornets, for the front office, uh, to see exactly what we've got. Sam Farmer, we'll talk to you this evening when we have the pregame show with Kyle and T-Bone, and I'll talk to you after the contest and hopefully after a Hornet win. That's right. We've got three mandatory uh, conversations today. Wes, you and I will talk on the phone some point later today so I can get my quota with everybody. All good stuff, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Looking forward to it. That is Sam Farber joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Again, Hornets and Hawks, 7 p.m. tip time. Tickets still available. Go on to Hornets.com or on Ticketmaster as to see Trey versus LaMelo, something we didn't think we were going to see uh, at the beginning of this week. And and I think the one thing that gives me some saving grace mm-hmm. is watching that game on Wednesday night. The offense just looks different with LaMelo on the floor, and you know this as well as anybody, having been there as close to the team as anybody. The only question is, can you get the buy-in on the other end of the floor? And Gordon Hayward brings you as a, a guy who's an adult in the room and somebody who can get your, you know, as, as Bill Raftery liked to say, get the puppies organized. I just don't know if without having 
both Cody and DSJ on the floor, guys who the, the defensive metric does not work as well without those dudes. Are they able to play good enough defense to make up for still some of the deficiencies of these guys getting themselves back to to full health and full stamina, so to speak? Well, that's the thing that we're going to find out tonight. And we want to see just how much do they value Coach Clifford? How much do they respect him? How much do they really want to come out and make him feel better? Uh, I don't know if you ever seen a movie Players Club, but Mm-mm. Dollar Bill at the end, you know, when he got upset with something that Bernie Mac did, he said, <laughs> do something to make me feel better. Okay. <laughs> well, that's basically what I do Steve, like Bernie Mac, so I'm good there. Yeah, so that's basically what Steve Clifford was saying. Uh, the other night during his rant, he wants them to do something to make him feel better uh, as they come out tonight to play against an Atlanta team that's lost five of their last six. This is a team that's struggling coming in here, a wounded bird, so to speak. So the Hornets need to take advantage of that, and they want to get out there on the defensive end and show close Clifford that they hear him and that they want to be the type of team that they're capable of being. Not sure that that's going to happen but for tonight, tonight is an opportunity to start that. Well, the thing that I like about this is that it lengthens the the Hornets rotation because they were all, they were going nine deep even at the time when they were, you know, having these guys down and injured. So you bring back Gordon Hayward, that probably relegates Kai Jones to uh, kind of being that guy who was the odd man out. And so if your top nine is Plumlee, Washington, Hayward, Rogier, Ball, Oubre, McDaniels, Richards, Maladon. That's as good of a nine as they've put out there on the floor at any point this season and in any game they've played this season. And that, if anything, gives you a little bit more of a leg up. I don't know if it puts you over the hump. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that turns you into a play-in team or even beyond that. But this is at least more talent than they've been able to put on the floor in a large-esque sense at any point in this time of the season, 28 games in. Well, hopefully the number one thing that it can do with him coming back, you said, add on to that depth to help guys be able to get rest. You can play with lineups, but the main thing, helping guys to be able to get rest so that they can exert more effort on the defensive end. And that's what you want to see tonight. And I think that's the number one thing that Gordon can bring back to this. He may not be a defensive stopper and be able to lock guys up, but him being back will allow Coach Clifford to give some guys some rest so that in the fourth quarter, hopefully, this game is tight or they're ahead and then guys are getting the rest that they need during the game so the fourth quarter they can really lock in on defense. Now, now Gordon doesn't come off as the kind of guy who would, you know, yell and wolf at a dude. But I can tell you right now, from what the players say, he does at least command that kind of respect. So if, like, Gordon just kind of gives you that look, being like, hey, by the way, you let your man go by you. You need to get in front of him. You need to actually play the fan without fouling. He's somebody who I feel like can at least bring that kind of authority that you don't necessarily – like, Like sometimes we mentioned a lot of times coaches' messages get lost. But from an accountability standpoint – You'll listen to what Gordon Hayward's saying if he's out there with you. Like it's one thing for Gordon to say it in street clothes; it's another thing for him to say it when he's out there on the floor with you wearing yeah. short pants. Who as, said uh, that? Collins. A couple people who I talk to, you know, from a from a player standpoint, I you know I ask I ask the 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 tough question. <laughs> no, that's cool because I mean that's something that I did not. I'm pretty surprised by that because I felt like in this locker room, I felt like that either he struck me as a guy who 
probably felt like that his message would not get across to these guys because, as I've said before, I think there's a lot of immaturity in that locker room. Sure. Because with a lot of the young I'm not guys. Saying he, I'm like, not saying he's perfect. No, 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 not at all. But I'm just saying you saying that, that that's a surprise to me just, just from my perception because I don't know anything like you do where you were saying how, you know, you were close and talked to some guys. You got some sources. So, you know. Uh, you know, that's something that you like to hear, and that's something that they need. I, I got sources. They need more I, got, vets. I, I got sources, and I got sources. Yeah, they need uh, they need more vets. They Mar- need more veteran leadership on this team. Marinara, vodka, Alfredo, pesto. <laughs> what do you want? What? Wow. Yeah. What? That was lame, bro. Too much? I was really lame. I didn't think it was that bad. Eh. Buffalo, garlic parm, et cetera? No. Uh, it's you time put for- buffalo sauce on your... No. Pasta? No, no. Okay, I was going to no. slap you, dude. No, no, no. Yeah, you, 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 you were just talking about, we were just talking about sauces all over the place. Just okay, Sauces all right. on sauces on sauces. It's a flounder flash time. That's right, baby. Oh, <laughs> that thing dropped in. Well, that thing hits nicely right down, there, down, guys. Down, downbeat. What do you got? Well, the bowl game going on right now. In case anybody's interested, quick update on that. UAB just took the lead in this game back from Miami of Ohio. UAB in the lead for the majority of the game. Jermaine Brown Jr. finds the end zone with a minute 31 to go on fourth and one from the Miami 12. Um, And UAB looking like they could escape with the first win of bowl season here. Uh, Again, not the most interesting matchup. Two six and six group of five teams, but... I mean, here's the ultimate question. Do you guys still get excited by bowl season? Like, this weekend we got seven games tomorrow, but, like, is that doing anything for you I, guys? I used to get more excited because I used to do the old bowl uh, the, the old bowl pool, you know? Yeah, picking them. The, the confidence uh, metric in that particular contest always killed me because the ones that I would be confident in usually would have a player or two missing and you know you wouldn't you have to look at the rosters beforehand someone would drop out between now and then or get hurt in ball practice etc and so on that was always the one that was the killer for me so if you had this one high in your confidence uh you you are a better man than me you would be in, in miami uh you know it's football at the end of the day but i am a bit of an elitist 50 has called me that many people that know me know this i don't start watching until uh, later into both season when their teams I actually recognize mostly power mm. five okay mm. now what I do like to, to balance that out is I do enjoy FCS playoffs D2 playoffs sure D3 I watch some championship games and some playoff games I, meaningful I really do, football I really do like FCF, FCS playoff games but when it comes to games like this not so much. You know, Me. as Willie P said, you may have it on for some background noise. Check in every now and again on it to see what's going on, but I'm not going to be revved up for a game like this. Jim oh, West F- is too good for the Jim- Wait, does Wake Forest play late enough in the bowl season for it to Yeah, be- they actually start next Friday. And, okay, and they're okay. playing Missouri SEC I just wanted off. to make sure they met the deadline Yeah, yeah, yeah. West. So, so an ACC-SEC, but I said Power 5. Oh, okay. By the way, if so you were ACC-SEC, I'm in. If you were, if you were listening earlier, Wes and I uh, did the uh, the honorable thing and called off an, ar- an armistice. We're not going to do any uh, any wager for yeah, the bowl no game. Wager, man. I don't trust Sam Hartman enough. One other big thing regarding bowl games. Cole Kubelik just tweeted this out uh, about 45 minutes ago. The NCAA has issued a one-time blanket waiver in FBS football to exempt postseason participation 
from the limit of four contests a student athlete may participate mm. in without using a season of competition. So basically, if you played guys four games so far this season, if you play them their fifth, they're not supposed to Won't allow count. you to redshirt them. But because of everything I think that's going on with the portal, I think they're wanting to try to encourage teams, hey, if you've got them yeah, on the roster, with, use them. Yeah, I was saying, but teams with numbers might have issues uh, trying to fill out a roster down the stretch. By the Some way, those freshmen are going to be suiting up. If Jim Phillips does one thing in his tenure as ACC commissioner, he needs to get the ACC a Bahama Bulls tie-in. Is what needs to happen. Especially a Popeye sponsor. Because like we, if we go to the Bahamas for a bowl game, I, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, that'd be great. W- wouldn't hate that. What? What if they get a tie-in for the Myrtle Beach Bowl? No, that's no. cool. Myrtle Beach is <laughs> well, a little gritty, but I enjoy Myrtle you could, Beach. You, a lot. Could, you could miss me on that. I'm with you, Wes. I don't get the hatred of Myrtle. Yeah, Beach. come I, on, man. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's a family spot. Uh, Speaking ugh. of, oh, that's now that's the an beach elitist is a take gritty. right there. Come on, man. No, come on, fan. Willie. I'm not a fan of Myrtle. I've I've I've, I've spent so many bad bad weekends in Myrtle Beach that uh, <laughs> I've seen I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And of course, unfortunately, the bad and the ugly always overrates the uh, or, or uh, outpaces the good. We'll come back. The walk-off to close out the program and close out the week. We'll make our picks for Panthers and Steelers next on Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. You know, for all the things that we rank at this very fine establishment known as a radio station, why has no one ever done the definitive beaches carolina beaches ranking i'm down for that i was just thinking about that we Maybe have not done the definitive carolina fire, fire fizzle yeah. the carolina beaches yeah. edition Ooh, because mm-hmm. we can yeah. do atlantic beach wrightsville beach ocean isles very nice uh myron is is standing for isle of palms i'm in i don't i don't have the uh, tax bracket to go to isle of palms they they stop they stopped me at the uh on the Daniel Island Bridge there. <laughs> Are you pushing Charleston hard? Oh, I love Charleston. Yeah. It's a good spot, man. Char- Charleston is where I first fell in love with my fiance. Oh, Ooh, that's probably number one on your list right there. Mm-hmm. Then. Uh, nice. She, We love Charleston so much. She was actually pushing for a Charleston honeymoon. And I said, no, I have to, really? get, I have to get the hell out of the country. Oh, no. I said, I want to go somewhere where my phone does not work, where I cannot be reached by your pranking Garbage. Because last time I went on vacation, you guys tried to prank me into doing a Hornet post game over the hey, phone. We did not. Do not include me in that group. You're all in that group. Come on. You're all in that. Did group. you ever fall in love with anybody at Myrtle Beach? For a brief minute. <laughs> Corona. <laughs> for for a New York minute. Yeah. It was actually a, a time where uh, when I was working in minor league baseball, I was a broadcaster, and we would be out with the cl- with the club. And they would do a, a day on the road trip where they would all dress up in like funky outfits and whatnot. And like the players would dress each other up, et cetera, and so on. But we'd be wearing normal clothes. But the the funky clothes was always a a tip off to, oh, this guy's a, this guy's a ball player or whatever. Yeah. And of course, the guys with the bigger signing bonuses attached to them had the nicer clothes. Yeah. So trying to go to the club after a game for that, uh, during that day, yeah. was always a, a losing effort because people were like, why are you dressed normal? Aren't you're with these guys? Why are you dressed normal? And it was like a tip off, like, oh yeah, I'm not really a player. No, you had somebody had to confuse you for a player at one point, right? Never. The way you dress? Not, no. not, not at all. Because I had like a, a 
I, I had like a polo on from the team. That was basically all I had. Ah. They have a decent stadium. It's by the uh, the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. boardwalk. We had, so we had so we stayed at the hotel. The hotel was uh, the Broadway on the beach was the was, yeah Broadway. Broadway on the beach was was between us and the ballpark. We had to walk through Broadway on the beach to get to the ballpark every day. Yeah. You cannot walk through Broadway on the beach without getting some kind of tipsy. Yeah. You cannot walk through. It's it's impo- <laughs> It's physically impossible. And I'm sitting there. Tom Glavin's throwing a rehab start. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I-, I can't make it through the whole game. Like it's it was that kind of situation. Wow. I am a professional broadcaster though. I promise I see you. That. I promise you. It's time for the walk off. Oh, it's first. I'm sorry. First, it's time for what's on tap. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Join our e-club. Stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com/peaks-club. Hornets and Hawks tonight at Seven Spectrum Center. As Wes mentioned, there's like seven bowl games. World Cup final is on Sunday between Argentina and France. Who are you picking? Argentina. I'm gonna go with Messi. I'm gonna go with France. I don't want to go with France, but I'm just I, I just I feel like they are top to bottom better than Argentina. Also, the MLS schedule comes out on Tuesday, so we'll find out where Charlotte FC's home opener I'll is. I'm waiting on that. Very much looking forward to uh, finding that out on Tuesday. It is now time for the walk off. You don't have to read the first one on this date in sports history. You don't really have that, to. This is, dude, because he's this just, is the most shameless list ever. Like he always has to include these. He, he, th- he throws a, he throws a cowboy one in there. It's funny. There was a Tom Seaver one right there, right after that particular one that uh, he completely glossed over that involved the Mets. But don't worry about it. If you want to read it, go ahead. I don't need to. You know, I don't need to hear it if you don't want to. So what you're saying is he's not a true enough Met fan. What I'm saying is uh, he, he conveniently ignored that for uh, to, to stand for his Cowboys. I think it's pathetic, too. Yeah. I will read it out, though, because I will say this. In 1979, Dallas uh, quarterback Roger Staubach threw for three touchdowns and 336 yards in his last regular season game with the Cowboys, a 35-34 to win over Washington at Texas Stadium. You know, you know what I say to that? Go Army beat Navy. There it is. Roger Stallback, easily the best quarterback in Dallas Cowboys history. Troy Aikman, the most overrated quarterback in the Whoa. history of the NFL. Whoa. There's your answer for you. Meanwhile, in 1972, wow. my, the Miami Dolphins become the first undefeated NFL team at 14 and oh, I'm assuming that means during the regular season. Yes, because they went 17 and 0 for the entirety of the season. And in Three playoff wins. 2003, New Orleans Saints receiver. And father of current Carolina Panthers cornerback J.C. Horn, Joe Horn, is fined $30,000 by the NFL for making a choreographed cell phone call in the end zone to celebrate a touchdown during the Saints' 45-7 route. Oh, yeah, that's that's just – this is just a perfect one. Of the New York Giants on – December 14th. Almost like he was Jesus making Christ. A, almost like he was making a love letter to you. Best text of the day comes from AC on the Garage to Guru text line. Balance is making a comeback. Talking about running versus passing in the NFL. Look at Dallas and Philly and look no further than the Carolina Panthers for doing the same thing. And it's been a big part of their three wins out of four stretch that we've had here. Final take. Pick the game. Panthers, Steelers. Who you got, Wes? I'm going to go Steelers 24 to 20. What? Yeah, after I told you. All, after, I think this is so Panthers. This posturing. No, I said. Pick- no, I said it would be so Panthers for them to blow this. I don't like it. You're not panthering up. I'm panthering up. Okay. Panthers 27, Steelers 13. All right. And we roll into the Detroit game on Christmas Eve, 
and trying to turn them into Rudolph, basically. Okay. And 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 if and if Mason Rudolph does play in this game, we are making all the Rudolph jokes on Monday. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, big time. Appreciate Flounder and Colin Hoggard for stepping in for Fitty. Appreciate you, Wes, for the Appreciate hospitality as always. Yeah, stepping in, man. Stepping up. Next man up, baby. Kyle Bailey, Smoke Ludwig, the Kyle Bailey Show for a Friday comes your way next. I'm Willie P. We'll talk to you on the Hornets postgame show tonight. Hornets and Hawks tonight at the Hive. It's Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Underneath his fanny.